0: You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome back to another episode of Partnernomics Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Brigman. And on today's show, we have Mr. Tony Bryant with us. Tony, how are you doing, sir? Doing good.
1: Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Absolutely, man. I'm looking forward to this. So Tony is a senior director, uh, partnerships and channel at an awesome company named Cinch that uh, we'll have a chance to to learn a lot about. But uh, before we dig into the company, Tony, I'd like to start with you and kind of talk about your background. I'm always interested to to hear about how people entered the you know their profession and then how they made this crazy wild journey to, to get over to the partnering space. So I'd like to hear a little bit about, uh, about your journey.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for, for the opportunity to speak a little bit about that. So yeah, I've been in the mobile space for, for more, more or less around 16 years. And before that, I was working uh, more on the telco side, um, not so much on the mobile side of, of telco, but on the fixed, fixed side uh, networks and so forth. And uh, it was interesting when I was first brought into the mobile space um, around value-added services with mobile network operators, kind of when all of that was getting started. And I just found it was interesting. It was a, it was a brand new universe for me. Um, so it was exciting and, and as opposed to, you know, just by, by uh, natural design, the fixed networks are, are, are not as, um, let's say not as diverse and dynamic. Um, so that's how I, I kind of got into this business. Uh, and I've I've also I have a kind of a diverse background. So I've worked um, for some smaller, innovative, disruptive companies, very disruptive. Uh, others less disruptive. And I've also done some um, some individual consulting work among my own with uh, larger companies like Ericsson, for example. Um, and then had launched a few companies myself, startups, um, uh, and also done a little bit of uh, angel investing uh, in,
0: in previous years. Yeah. That's awesome. Man. I love the world of entrepreneurship. Uh, what, out of curiosity, what are some of the companies that, that you launched?
1: Yeah. So for example, and, and this was interesting And in this, um, one of the, the companies that I put together was a company called um, Blackphone. Uh, well, essentially Black, Blackphone uh, was the, uh, the offering. And this was when back in 2013, 2014, when BlackBerry was kind of on its decline and everyone was looking for, you know, what is the next best things in terms of a secure encrypted communications. And what I did was I um, I was actually um, living in Spain at the time and advising a very small Spanish company, which was working with the uh, Firefox operating system, if you remember, uh, which was for like really, you know, low end kind of entry smartphones. And they, they weren't doing very well competing against the Chinese OEMs at the time. And I said, look, you need to forget about these kind of devices and build something that actually has a, a, a strong value proposition. And then I I sourced these uh, a group of uh, developers who were uh, a lot of them ex special forces, Navy SEALs operators. A company called Silent Circle, and I married the two together with a uh, uh, had a team hired a team that actually modified the Android operating system to to uh, to provide a think of it as a sort of software hardened device. Um, and uh, yeah, and it was it was very successful in terms of the venture. Um, unfortunately, the, the 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 way we went to market wasn't the the best strategy and it ended up being a device used by um by kind of nefarious actors if you will um even like el chapo guzman for example was 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 using the device so not exactly the best claim to fame but it was very successful for my client that i was advising at the time they had a very nice exit
0: yeah interesting the the whole symbian well yeah, just the whole life of BlackBerry, I think is just fascinating. And as my background in telecom, I, was, I had an opportunity to see some of those pieces, but just the way that, uh, that the operating systems ended up kind of working their way out, you know, between, uh, you know, Apple coming to life and then, uh, you know, Google, what they've done with the Android platform. It's been pretty fascinating to watch.
1: Absolutely. No, and and it's, it was interesting. Back in 2014, there wasn't that much in terms of net new features and functionality coming out on these smartphones. So we actually won the award for the most innovative smartphone at Mobile World Congress in, that year in 2014. But yeah, no, it's you're right. It's, it, it's fascinating how that, that playing field is sort of
0: leveled. And we've got these two, two, two boxers, right, standing there. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Tony, tell us a little bit about Cinch, the the company that you're with now, leading partnerships there. Uh, what is what what kind of good stuff are you guys doing at Cinch?
1: Yeah, no, super exciting. There's there's so much going on here at Cinch, and it's really a high growth company. Um, so Cinch is what people would refer to as a, as a CPaaS or communications platform as a service uh, company. Um, so we do have all of those capabilities that you would expect to have in a CPaaS platform. So omni-channel messaging, uh, Cinch is, is uh, one of a few uh, direct uh, uh, tier one aggregators who have direct connections to the carriers. So in other words, we, we're, we're tied in with these binds to, uh, to, the, to the mobile network operators around the globe, hundreds of them, to be able to deliver messaging in, in its various forms. Um, but what's also interesting is, is uh, Cinch has is, is been acquiring other companies, of course, acquiring technology, acquiring customers, acquiring um people and uh and so there's 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 new markets there uh, for example uh we have a chat layer which is an ai bot capability uh, we have a contact centerpiece which that came through an acquisition through sap um so yeah really exciting high growth area i mean like our our our, our ceo likes to say everyone on the on the planet has a phone and that's true um and, and therefore every, every enterprise is a potential customer and really only 50% or, or less of enterprises are are using mobile, uh, leveraging the, harnessing the power of mobile for everything. You know, customer experience, just think about the how the phone permeates every as, aspect of your daily life. I mean, you know, my doctor's appointment yesterday that they sent me a reminder, um, the check clearing of my bank and the credit union, the package being delivered at my door and the, 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 the restaurant... Uh, a reservation i have for my wife so
0: it's it's yeah. our brain right I and mean, we just we couldn't live with it if we live without it, if we had to yeah yeah so tony tell us uh, you know for those folks you know that, that may not be familiar with cinch just what's what's kind of global company global reach how yeah. many employees uh, give us a little sense yeah. for the for the organization itself when did you guys sure. get founded
1: yeah so so the company's been around for i think it's been over a little over 12 years
0: now, um,
1: and it's a Swedish company. So our headquarters is in Stockholm. We are publicly traded on the uh, Stockholm NASDAQ. Um, interesting as well, especially as you mentioned, going back to an entrepreneur's perspective, is that the original founders are still involved. Um, it's been profitable from day one. Uh, still very, very profitable company and, and very different in that regards in terms of how we go about our business. Um, and, and yeah, a global company. So we just, uh, you know, I don't have the latest figures uh, based on the, the, the last uh, announced acquisitions of, uh, but well over 2,000 employees were present in 47 countries, um, very much in an international company and growing very fast. Obviously, obviously North America is a, a very important market for us and very strong uh, network across uh, Europe as well, yeah.
0: So, Tony, for those folks that uh, don't have telecom backgrounds like you and I, I'd like for you, to, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of break it down a little bit more as to, you know, what does one of your clients look like? Yeah. Or, you know, what is okay. really the solution that Cinch is bringing to market and how is it being disruptive?
1: Sure. Yeah. So in, in terms of um, the enterprise customers, the enterprise end customers that we serve, uh, it, it, it's really it runs the full gamut. Some oftentimes when I'm in, and some of my partner uh, discussions, I get asked, well, you know, what verticals do you play in? What are you? Where's your focus? And the truth is, it's just ubiquitous. It can be any of these uh, verticals. Uh, um, of course, you've got people who are doing, you know, marketing, outbound marketing. Uh, those can be people that traditionally use email. They're obviously using text messaging. Uh, um, you, it, it could be someone providing a, managing a customer experience. Uh, Would it be e-commerce? Um, could be an airline. Um, it's it's very broad, really. It is in terms of the, the market we serve, um, financial institutions, um, and governments. Uh, yeah.
0: So, awesome. it,
1: it's, it, yep. It's really there's a there's a there's a need for that for that service, and 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 it goes well beyond just obviously a simple text. And,
0: yeah. So, Tony, I know that within your career, you've done more than than just. Strategic partnerships or standing up channels. You've also been involved in some some M and A, some mergers and acquisitions deals, Hmm. and uh, within the the partonomics framework, a lot of what we focus on is non equity partnerships. You know, we Hmm. always say the word partnerships is one of the most overused words in business. Uh, Just how you know, generally speaking, companies get together and collaborate. We call it a partnership, but um, with those mergers and acquisitions and kind of working through those more equity related uh, deals where we're getting out the checkbook or at the end of the day, we're we're owning some portion of those companies or having some level of legal control as opposed to say strategic partnerships or other sorts of partnerships that are non-equity. What's what's some of those differences, I guess, in, in how you would approach those certain deals?
1: Yeah, I think I would add to that as well, Mark. Like in some cases, I'll give you an example. Um, we we acquired um, uh, SAP uh, uh, SDI, their their SAP Digital Interconnect business um, over a year ago, um, and through that acquisition, we acquired a piece of software called Contact Center, which is uh, which is, uh, and it's interesting because it's not exactly what you're referring to, but it's similar in a way where you know we're acquiring a piece of technology, acquiring a large amount of 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 of, per, of people of resources, um, and and we've been able to. It's been valuable in terms of also maintaining a partnership there through that, having just shared knowledge, um, the relationships that these folks have had with their their former colleagues throughout the years, um, and 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 then it's a partnership where we're working with SAP as a as a channel, for example. And in other cases, it's, as you said, it might just be an out, outright complete uh, equity acquisition, and and really that's you know, you've got one side, which is the legal aspects, right? which you've got to clear certain hurdles and before you can actually start really uh, working together and, and sharing data. Um, but it's interesting. It's, that's, that's, I believe where the challenge is and, you know, how you, how you can, you know, bringing in three different sets of uh, CRM data and, and customers and merging that data uh, and then trying to leverage the combined value of that. And, and, you know, some of, those, some of those conversations happen early on, but some of it, it just takes time. It really does, yeah.
0: It's interesting to see, and a lot of times we see within our clients where relationships will start off as, say, a partnership, a strategic partnership, if, if we want to you know, classify it as that. And then over time, it can work its way into becoming an acquisition. You know, where one of the partners gets out the checkbook, and they realize they just they want to own it. They want to pull it yeah. in and have it be a part of the business.
1: Yeah. No, that's true. That's true, and and I'm sure, and, and you know, that's not my role here, but I'm sure some of the folks who who manage the M&A strategy, there's definitely some of that there, where you you know, I think some of it is also um, also more opportunistic, right? Sometimes you it's let's uh, uh, let's um. Think about think about it like shopping. I'm a foodie, so I, I like to I like to buy the best of the best in terms of fruit and vegetables. And sometimes you just see it. Right now, you know there's some, some it's the season for Vidalia onions for those folks from the south. You buy that onion because you know in a couple of months you're not going to have an opportunity to to buy that. But it, uh, definitely in other cases, as you said, it's just a, there's a you see a natural symbiosis and there's a you know there's a piece that you think it should be part of your core um, offering.
0: Yeah, and then definitely, if you're going to be building on top of it, you want to be able to control it uh, to a much greater degree than what we can typically do in uh, in non-equity partnerships. So it just makes sense. But yeah, to your point, it's it's a it's a big strategy play of, of how we, we how we leverage uh, partnerships and and then also doing the acquisition piece. But Tony, you and I uh, share a, share a love for technology, but really even technology partnerships, you know, as we know, there's a lots of different types of partnerships, you know, we have our channel partnerships, we have our sales focused partnerships some research and development, branding, all these different types. But um, technology partnerships is something that uh, that I really enjoy. And I know, is a part of your background, um, can you can you share a little bit of uh, maybe some different technology partnerships you've been a part of, or maybe, uh, you know, some award winning partnerships you've been a part of? sure
1: yeah so so one that's very dear to my heart and um prior to to joining cinch i was working for cineverse uh it was another uh, tier one aggregator although cineverse also has some other additional um, technologies in terms of uh, private networking and um you know lte and, and uh, private lte and all this this sort of thing uh and so one of the partnerships i had opportunity to work on was uh with uh with hitachi and uh hitachi obviously the giant right A massive, incredible company, incredible history, and, and, and they also have a lot of innovation in house. And so we were looking at ways just to do something which was could have a high, high, um, high impact on in terms of the value that it brings to people who are using public transport. In this case, it was for the city of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And it was a, their bus, their urban transport system, and looking at how can we use mobile messaging um, combined with other technologies that uh, that Hitachi were, are bringing to the table, um, analytics and, and so forth, machine learning. But initially, using messaging just to improve the, the writer rider experience, and and that was something I was very both proud of, and it was a lot of fun um, thinking of these use cases while sitting on my couch. And my wife helped me with some of these as well. Um, just simple things like you know if you're you know if that's that's your normal bus route you should be able to text a short code find out what's going on are there any service interruptions where's the bus at when is it going to arrive um what's the best way to connect to another 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 uh, a destination the shortest route there that kind of thing so so that was that was a lot was a lot of fun yeah
0: so tony i want to talk to you about uh, a topic that's near and dear to my heart and i think it is yours too and that is innovation You know, I think uh, a lot of large companies, we were talking about acquisitions earlier, a lot of large companies, uh, they readily admit they're not good at innovation. So they're ready to just get the checkbook out and and buy companies that have capabilities uh, that that are attractive and interesting to them. Um, What are some things that uh, maybe some insights that you can share on the topic of innovation? Maybe what can companies do both large and small to be better at innovation. It's it's such a messy and expensive process for most companies. So a lot of organizations avoid it. But I think we're hitting a point now where you have to innovate in in order to survive and, and definitely in order to, to thrive. Yeah,
1: no, it's it's an interesting topic. I, I agree completely. We're in this, this age of, of, you know, corporate mass corporate extinctions for a lot of companies that are entrenched and 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 it's tough, you know. I think it really is. The larger the company, the tend to be slower um, in terms of innovation and just uh, 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 the metabolic rate of the company. It just it just slows down, and just like just like us as as humans. Um, how having said that, though, I think that one of the things I've found through my experience in innovation, um, and specifically working in disruptive environments, is is working with small agile teams and, and I, when I say agile, I don't mean necessarily only from the development perspective, but from the ideation um, and, and that's something I really enjoy doing with my partners is co-creating co-ideating, looking for, you know, what, what is that innovative value proposition that can help from a mutual perspective, the partnership growing to the next level. Um, I, I, I used to, I, had the, the, the privilege of working in the past for um, for a company called shine which was doing uh, ad blocking and so what we, we what we had developed was a technology that essentially would enable at a network level a mobile mobile network operator to block ads in the browser and in the applications something it doesn't get more disruptive than that um, and and so I, I had to first of all convince uh, the operator of the value of this proposition why it makes sense why it's right um, why the and the first thing I had to do which is we would go in and actually take a measurement a slice of the carriers network and then run some scripts and identify who's serving what advertisements and how much money is that generating for those people and as you can imagine the folks like Google and Facebook and they're taking you know millions of dollars off the carriers network and while they're and at the same time, slowing down the network um and, and the carrier is making nothing off of it and then, of course from the user perspective then you've got this whole this whole uh, um philosophy or, or uh, you know you could you could discuss the ideal ideals in terms of whether or not you think that advertising is actually bringing value to the end users um and then convincing the carrier to do this and then then you have the whole legal hurdle as well it ended up from a legal perspective the european union decided to make that illegal um, so that that so that that was the end of that innovation story, but but it was just to give you an example of how you know not only innovating internally but then you have to innovate sometimes inside the market itself, and that's that's even a bigger challenge. But that's how that's how the world changes though. And if you look around you and you look at whatever it be your ride sharing app, your food ordering, your you've got the innovator doc. You said. it.
0: Well, what's so interesting and uh, a topic that really fascinates me is this idea of co-creation, you know, just that we're seeing everywhere, you know, and like, I think traditional business, uh, you know, has said, you know, understand your core competency, stay within your core competency. And then we have the, the Clayton Christiansons of the world that, you know, talk to us about jobs to be done and this whole idea of disrupting and, and, and specifically disrupting your own business before somebody else comes in and disrupts you. you know. So the, the Clayton Christensen's of the world tell us, be solutions oriented, not product or service oriented, but, but create solutions. And so what that means is that we need to understand our core competency and we need to combine our core competency with other organizations that have uh, these other capabilities and by definition, right? We're partnering with them, um, but man, it really gets messy. Companies are not good innovating internally just with their own people, their own cultures, let alone now we're really uh, adding a lot more complexities to it to be adding one, two, three, four, ten 10 other companies potentially to make these much larger, much wider uh, solution sets that require some really complex co-creation. Are there any insights that, that you can share? Maybe some stories of man, what are some what are some success practices to do that? Because we're seeing more and more and more of that, you know, as each month goes on. You know, this whole ecosystem thing. You know, you and I have been in, in telecom for a couple decades. Well, that was that was my jump into ecosystems. Is making this crazy thing we call a smartphone today. You know, building the train tracks for that. You know, not only from the carrier side, but then now you have the the mobile devices themselves, all of the applications, the GPS chipsets. I mean, all of these things working together. Uh, you know, the, the wireless cell phone space has been neck deep into this uh this ecosystem thing for decades but it's interesting now to see opportunities for really anybody to plug into multiple ecosystems that are around them
1: yeah no it's 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 a good point um and i think there's you know from one side you've got a company like us here here at cinch we you know you've, you've got to have a strategy around um connectors and integrations and 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 I certainly believe that there's a limit. There's too many people in the party. And doesn't make it a better party. Um, and, and then you've got you know also this partnership ecosystems, which may or may not have a technology component to it, which may be more of a um, sort of a commercial and 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 market sort of um, market opportunity, market development component, as opposed to a, a technology partnership in its truest sense, right? Um, so, so yeah in the, the way I do it and, and granted I'm not I'm not deeply technical so um, but but I do consider myself a visionary and, and and what I like the way I go about this is making sure that I have the right people you know whether it be uh, people with deep product integration experience from both sides um, to kind of um, Keep me honest, if you will, and and also validate any during these co ideation co creation discussions. And then, of course, you've got to have a what you know a, a clear model in terms of ROI. What does this mean in terms of market value? What what what's the addressable customer base together as as partners? What what can you achieve with this? Um, and then of course, getting, uh, getting the, the resources assigned to, to actually do it. And, and sometimes it's not, you know may not be uh, uh, necessarily an integration, you know and that we're in the age of APIs, right? And there's so much that can be done there. And, and, and sometimes it's, you know that, that uh, two plus two doesn't have to be complicated.
0: Tony, uh, you also hit on another uh, topic that, that is really interesting, and it, it comes up more and more frequent now, is international partnerships. You know, it just seems that especially in the last year and a half, man, this world has shrunk. <laughs> I mean, literally every day. I So through four hours ago, I was on a Zoom with a gentleman from Saudi Arabia. I mean, every day I'm talking to somebody from the other side of the world, literally, um, at least once a day talk to us a little bit about just what you've learned over your career from a cultural perspective, but really through the lens of international partnerships.
1: Yeah, it's true. The world has become smaller. And, you know, with the the advent of the the COVID age, you know, we're all just everyone, everyone obviously connected. And it's interesting, because you see people are almost kind of like, oh, so what I'm in, you know, wherever I'm at, it's, it's just kind of like, it's a it is a global marketplace, and we're going to play global. And, however, at the same time, you do still have these cultural differences and nuances, and 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 ways of doing things, ways of approaching things. Um, for example, if I'm looking to markets for innovation in mobile, um, we recently uh, acquired a company called Wavy down in Brazil. The Brazilians are super creative. They're way advanced in terms of use cases and solving pain points, but with WhatsApp, for example. Um, even if I look over at the Turkish market, um, I, I, I lived in a Europe for 20 years off and on, I uh, managed uh, sales business development and some partnerships across Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And the, the Turks have always been much more innovative, for example, than here in the US. Um, so you, you, you there's a lot of inspiration you can pull from these different cultures and different markets. Um, and at the same time, each market does have a particular set of, of challenges and constraints. Um, and I, I, I've always, I guess, you know, growing up, my, my father was in the military, so I was, a you know, we traveled around quite a bit, and I, and I always, he taught me to cherish and value the diversity and the differences of opinions and ideas, and and that's, I've been I've been able to visit 43 countries. I haven't done business in all of them, but done business in quite a few, and you really do need to, to, to in terms of just understanding that person, understanding their culture. If you can make an attempt to speak the language, that's even better. It's not necessary, but... um. And and adjust to, for example, in Mexico, um, I uh, um, I was previously doing some consulting on my own for a company uh, called Adphone, which is now uh, pay to play, um, and we were launching basically a carrier branded uh, solution uh, to the market for AT&T in Mexico, and very different culture in Mexico in terms of you know when does a meeting start or or when you know uh, how, how do you, how do you push things through the organization, culturally. Um, that's very different, for example, than Spain. Although you might think, oh, it's, it's a common culture. No, it's very different. And the same holds true with different, if it was Chile instead of uh, Mexico or Brazil for that matter. And uh, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun. And, um, and I think it's, I still, I would not underestimate uh, how the value of understanding people, listening to people, adapting to their culture, and at the same time working together towards a common objective.
0: Yeah, great, great advice. I had the opportunity to work with um, uh, several different folks in Europe um, during a 10-year sprint. And it was, it's a fascinating topic to me. It's just other countries, as you mentioned, kind of the cultural norms. And uh, I mean, it's, I think it starts with understanding that not everybody you know, sees the world or conducts business the way that you do. So just at least step one is being mindful of that and uh, having the humility and, and really the skills to, to understand that and to learn and to, to jump in and to learn. Tony, one last question for you before we let you go today. Uh, I want you to speak to your 21 year old self. What kind of advice would you give to your 21 year old self as uh, he's really jumping into, uh, jumping into this business world? What kind of advice would you give him? Number one would be build relationships,
1: build relationships. Uh, and, and when I say that, I mean trusted, respected relationships where you're not only looking to, 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 to um, maybe get some help or, or advice or, or, or guidance from someone, but also think about what you can do for that person um, and, and maintain those relationships. Uh, those will last you a lifetime. And, and that respect and um, that integrity that you have, you own that and you take that with you wherever you go. And if you don't have that, then you, you know, you, you, it's, it's a difficult, much more difficult road. That would be number one. And, and I think that's probably you know, true in life and to your personal life as well in terms of friendships. Um, the, the second one would probably be I would say in my case, learn to code some, learn to code a bit, just a bit, enough.
0: <laughs> just enough to be dangerous, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's awesome, man. Those those are great pieces of advice, I man. One thing that my dad told me when I was a young kid was, the most valuable thing you have is your word or your integrity. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm getting close to knocking on the door of fifty, and man, it's uh. I, that's true. It's absolutely true. And I pass it on to my children as well.
1: Yeah. We're in the same generation. It sounds like your father probably instilled similar values that my father did and myself and, and I'll forever be thankful for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tony, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for sharing the insights with us and uh, man, it's going to be really fun watching you guys and cinch uh, just keep on taking, you know, keep on keeping on, keep on disrupting, keep on doing your thing. We're going to, we're going to enjoy watching you.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure to to speak with you and have the opportunity to just have this conversation. Thank you very much, Mark.
0: Partnernomics Podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics Podcast, visit partnernomics.com.